0: Alright guys, this is a special episode on a special day because there's some special circumstances. Don't worry. We will be back to our regularly scheduled programming on Thursday of this week. Don't worry. We are not gonna get out of order. But kind of big news dropped in the baseball world, and just real quick before any of you guys go ahead and tune this out, Well, oh, I'm not a baseball guy, I don't like it, but, but it's boring. What don't worry about it. There is a payoff for you at the end of this podcast. There's there's some good things that we can learn from this scenario. And the scenario I'm talking about is the Houston Astros scandal. So yesterday on the thirteenth of January of 2020, Major League Baseball finally handed down their punishment to the Houston Astros organization kind of for their sign-stealing scandal. Which in in baseball terms, this is the biggest scandal probably since the Black Sox scandal and certainly since the PED scandal of the '90s and early 2000s. And the Black Sox scandals was you know that was over a hundred years ago, right? Um, but here's the deal: I'll, I'll kind of give you the idea for some of you that are not aware. I will bring you up to speed as quickly as possible. There was evidence from the 2017 season that the Houston Astros were u- using in-stadium technology in their home ballpark to get the signs uh from the catcher as to what the pitcher was gonna be throwing and then they would communicate that to the batter at the plate so they knew what pitch was coming. So for those of you that don't understand how much how big of a deal that is, if you've got a guy that just throws two pitches, let just keep it simple. He throws a fastball and a changeup. So let's say his fastball, he throws it at ninety five miles an hour And his changeup comes in at 87 miles an hour. Doesn't seem like that big of a difference, but when you're throwing it from 60 and a half feet, which is how much home field uh, or home plate is from the pitching rubber, that's really close. Like that's a really, really close distance. And so seven, eight miles per hour makes a huge difference. And if you know as the hitter that it's a changeup that's coming instead of a fastball you can sit on it because if you guess change up and it's not a change up the fastball just blows right by you so this was a huge deal and so they had a monitor that was by the dugout and they would communicate using an outf- uh you know a camera that was in the outfield and then they would be able to communicate to the guy at the plate they did it kind of haggardly though they would like bang on trash cans or something like that to let the batter at the plate know hey the off speed pitch is coming type of a thing it doesn't guarantee success but if i'm the hitter and i know exactly what pitch is coming. Coming. That's good for me. That's really, really good for me. So this was something that happened in the 2017 season. That was the year that they won the World Series. That was the year that their second baseman, their all-world second baseman, Jose Altuve, won the MVP. But this led to a gigantic investigation, right? Right massive investigation, and we kept hearing this was going to be some of the strictest punishments we've ever seen handed out by Major League Baseball. And we'll get into the punishment here in just a second, but just remember that. That that was kind of the thing that we were all expecting. And I remember talking with friends that were baseball people, and I'm like, well, "What? how bad could this actually be? How bad could this punishment actually be? This isn't like in college where you can take away scholarships and you can have them vacate victories and championships and all that kind of stuff. Like, What could they actually do? But then yesterday, the supposed hammer came down from major league baseball. And so this was the punishment that they were given. The team was fined, So that's ownership. They were fined $5 million, which is the maximum that a commissioner can find a owner in the major league baseball. So they find them the max, the general manager, Jeff Lunau and the manager, AJ Hinch, They were both suspended for one calendar year, uh, but both have since been fired by Houston. Jeff Lunau was seen by a lot of people as one of, if not the best general manager in baseball and the bench manager, or essentially the, the main manager. A.J. Hinch was seen by many people to be one of the best managers in all of baseball, and so Those were not small things. And then they also lost their 2020 and 2021 first and second round draft picks. Okay. Now the one thing that is kind of pending in all this is Alex Cora, who is the current manager of the Boston Red Sox. He was the supposed ringleader of this plan okay so he was on the staff he was on the coaching staff in 2017 in Houston and then the very next year he was hired by the uh, Boston Red Sox to represent them and they won the World Series in 2018 in a team that was considered by many to be one of the greatest teams ever I think it was 108 regular season wins won the World Series didn't even really look bad in any, any of the games during the playoffs but there's supposedly going to be a much bigger punishment coming for Alex Cora. It could come today. It could come while I'm recording this. I'm not exactly sure, but as of this moment, there's no punishment for him. And most notably, there is no punishment for Carlos Beltran, who is the current manager of the New York Mets, who was a player on the 2017 Astros or any other players. Okay. We'll get more into that here surely later. So there was reaction from the Houston Astros. Okay. So, cause they kind of have to come to their defense to a certain degree. So the owner, Jim Crane, uh, he came out and did his normal, you know, kind of somber press conferencing and read a prepared statement and took a few softballish type questions. But he said that this scandal doesn't in any way taint their world series victory from 2017. In no way in no way does this taint anything. We just want to move forward. We just want to, which is always convenient when somebody is like pounded for something that they've done wrong don't they always, ah, we just want to move forward. You know, we don't want to look in the past. We only want to move forward. A la Mark McGuire, when he was talking in front of Congress, I'm not really here to talk about the past. I'm here to talk about the future. It's like super convenient. Now the general manager at Jeff Lou now, uh, he kind of had a little bit of a ridiculous take on all this. He kind of decided in his, uh, uh, his statement that he released, uh, that he just wanted to kind of throw everybody under the bus except for himself. Right. He told everyone, I'm not a cheater and it's everyone else's fault was essentially what he said, even though they had evidence of two specific. Specific emails that was talking directly about the system that they had in place, the video system they had in place, in order to steal these signs and to cheat. You know, he was on those emails. So either he doesn't read his emails or he's full of crap. I'm just gonna go ahead and assume the latter. And then former A uh, manager AJ Hinch, uh, he he took responsibility for his role. Kinda. Um, this is a guy that of everybody. He, he will probably get another managerial job in Major League Baseball. He's just that good. So he's going to spend a year, you know, basically licking his wounds, maybe two, three seasons down the line, he'll get another job, but it just kind of is what it is. But I thought it was interesting because of all the people in this process, whenever these allegations were coming on, he was the most smug during this entire process. He was asked during the ALCS this year, 2019, or that would have been last year's ALCS 2019. He was asked about this at one of the press conferences. And he said, this is a complete joke and blah, blah, blah. But he was so smug about everything like, ah, you know, these teams, they just wish they were as good as we are. So they just claim that we're stealing signs, blah, blah, blah. AJ Hinch does not come out, you know, looking well in this entire thing. And one of the interesting things about AJ Hinch is he obviously knew that this was going on, but as opposed to addressing it directly with the players and telling them to cut it out, he tried to like destroy the monitor, like unplug it from the wall to like encourage them to stop doing this as opposed to just talking about it, which... Okay, I guess that's one way of doing things. But then there was kind of the greater reaction from the baseball world, the general consensus coming from everybody else, uh, from the other teams, players, former players, you know, whatever the situation may be, is that the punishment was too light. That it it didn't really punish the owner Jim Crane. I mean Jim Crane still has his team. He still has his title. He still has his banner. You know he doesn't have a GM or a manager anymore. But you can find those. I mean they're they're not exactly growing on trees. But he can kind of deal with that. Uh, I loved what David Freeze said. So he's a now retired baseball player and a St. Louis Cardinals legend. But he said this on Twitter. Didn't really expect the punishment to be this harsh. Good for MLB stepping up. Still don't know what's more frustrating though. An ex teammate of the World Series title making public. Uh, public statements uh, about his team cheating and so many guys being down to use a damn trash can, LOL, should take the ring. So I I, I tend to agree with his sentiment that we should take the ring, but we'll get more into that later. And he was making reference to Mike Fires. So Mike Fires was kind of the the main whistleblower in all this. He's a pitcher that was on the 2017 Houston Astros. So a lot of people see him as kind of a hero in this, like, oh, he's the whistleblower. It's like, wait a minute, he was on the team at the time they were cheating and he knew they were cheating And yet he didn't say anything. Uh, You know, that's kind of interesting interesting at the very least. Uh, some other reactions, Aaron Judge, who's probably the least hateable Yankee of all time. And that is uh, saying something because they're all so easy to hate somewhat, but Aaron Judge is, seems to be a very, very stand-up guy. He finished second in the MVP voting in 2017 to Jose Altuve. It wasn't exactly close. Uh, Jose Altuve won by a com- comfortable margin, but he had a tweet back in 2017, basically congratulating Jose Altuve for his win on the MVP. They went, those two teams went on to face each other in that post season, Aaron Judge actually went back and deleted that tweet. So deleting a tweet from two, three years ago, that's kind of, kind of a big deal, but here's the funniest thing. This is the funniest of all reactions from all baseball people. And that was from Pete Rose, poor Pete Rose, that guy, he'll never get into the hall of fame. He's probably the greatest hitter ever who will not end up in Cooperstown because he's been banned for life. But Pete Rose, the guy that's been banned for life for betting on baseball games, especially games that he was managing, even though he still to this day will not admit that, he says, I can't imagine doing something like that. I mean, I don't know if he's just trolling or what, if he's just bored, but that's next level. You know, I'll give it up to you. I'll give it up to you, Pete Rose. I can't imagine doing something like that. I mean, I was a manager of the Cincinnati Reds and I was betting on games that I was managing, but gosh dang it, these guys are putting up cameras and setting up trash cans to let us know what pitches are coming. That's just across the line. So thank you, Pete Rose, for giving us a little bit of that. But here's the thing. Here's my opinion of the punishment that came down for the Houston Astros. I'll, I'll just give it to you as quickly as possible. It was way too soft i the thing though is it doesn't even actually punish the team. it just doesn't in my opinion, this doesn't solve everything, but in my opinion, Houston should be forced to vacate the title They should be forced to vacate the two thousand and seventeen World Series title. They should have to take down their banners, they should have to you know send their rings back, whatever the situation may be, but here's the thing is i've also said before maybe not on this podcast that i think the whole concept of vacating titles doesn't take the results of the games away it doesn't like mean that these games didn't happen like i remember like when the usc was having their problems with the football program and everything and they're like oh well they got to vacate this many wins and they got to vacate this title and they got to do all those different things does that mean the game didn't happen Did the fans not buy tickets and fight for a parking spot and go inside and pay $15 for a beer and, you know, watch the, did the game not happen? Did some of those guys not get concussions? Did some of them not suffer career ending injuries? Did those games just not happen because we can just go back and snap our fingers and Oh, it just, it just didn't happen. Right. But they should be forced to vacate the title. That that, just seems fair. At this point, you caught them red-handed in the season where they won the title, right? And if you remember, that was an insane World Series. It went seven games, and the Dodgers lost to the Astros. They lost at home. They lost the World Series. Now, you can't just hand the 2017 Dodgers the World Series, nor do I think any of the players that were on that team would even want that, but that, that would at least seem to be some sort of justice. But here's the thing is if you're one of the other 29 teams, which, uh, you know, and I'm not going to talk about the macro thing here because there's this idea that a lot of teams are kind of involved in some sort of next level technological cheating. But, you know, we're just going to focus on the Astros because they're in the, you know, they're in the eye of the storm here, uh, kind of a deal. But the situation is, is if you're one of the other 29 teams, even teams that have won a lot of world titles, you know, like the Cardinals having won 11, the Yankees having won 27, teams that have won recently, the Giants that were probably the best team of the decade, whatever situation may be, you got to kind of ask yourself, does it pay to cheat? But the the reality is is of course it does. Of course it pays to cheat. I'll give you this scenario. I I would go to all the other 29 teams and I would guarantee you that all of them would say yes if you said, "Hey, in the 2020 season, it's going to cost you uh four draft picks, so your, you know, first and second round draft picks for the next two years, 5 million dollars." the career and reputation of your general manager and your manager, but you win the World Series. I guarantee you that the other 29 teams would take that. It would be like, wait, that's it? Five million bucks, four draft picks, and a couple of, couple of guys that'll find jobs elsewhere, probably, maybe, hopefully. Of course, most of them would take that. If no one would know, you would absolutely take that. And this is why. Because Pedro Gomez, who has been a guy that's a longtime baseball guy, he said that there are certain estimates coming in that the Houston Astros, just off of the 2017 World Series, made about $60 million or so directly as a team, right? So that, But the thing is, is, that's not just from merchandise for selling things that say World Series on it. It's not just from that. The very next season, they can charge a certain percentage more for season tickets because they're coming off of a World Series and people will pay it. The, the general fans that are just traveling through Houston, they want to go see the Astros play because they're defending World Series champions. You've got, you know, people that are fighting for their ad space, you know, to, to advertise inside the stadium, on the radio, all those different things. All of those things go up because you won the World Series. Because not a few years before that, the Astros were historically bad, losing over 100 games every year. And now we're turning around and they're winning over 100 games every year. And they're winning the biggest of all prizes, the World Series Championship. So, of course it pays to cheat in these scenarios. The the other thing, and this is the last thing I'll say about the punishment, is I was astonished that no players were punished in any way, shape, or form. None whatsoever. This includes Carlos Beltran, who was on the 2017 team, but now was hired by the Mets. I swear to goodness, the Mets just can't get out of their own way. Of course they hire a guy that is immediately in the hot seat with some sort of a scandal a well-known, well-liked guy in Carlos Beltran, but it seems to be by the MLB investigation, a cheater. But the thing about it is, is how do you not punish the players? And and some people have said to me, and you know, some people have said to other pundits, it's like, wait a minute, wait a minute. How can you just do this to the players? Like, how how could you do that? Because the thing about it is you can't know what each player was involved. Like you can't know, okay, it's a 25 man roster is, you know, the backup catcher who's out in the bullpen or something like that at the moment, is is he as responsible as the MVP from that year? Is the guy banging on the trash can? Do we know, was it an assistant coach or was it a player? right? Was it a star player that was in a free agency year or an arbitration year or something like it would have been a mess to try and do that. But it, it just seems astonishing to me that major league baseball found no way to be able to punish these players. Now, the, the reality is, is this is a couple of years ago. A lot of those players aren't even playing anymore. They're certainly not on the Astros anymore. So what exactly do you do? So it, it's a tough situation, but I got to thinking about this whole situation, just thinking about there, there's a lot of victims, This is one of those things when people talk about victimless crimes, that's almost never the case. This certainly isn't the case, right? So I just kind of made a list of the the big victims in this story. And the first is the Los Angeles Dodgers. This is the first and last time you will ever hear me say that I feel bad for the Los Angeles Dodgers because I love watching them lose. But two years in a row, they lost to teams that are, it seems pretty apparent we're cheating. The 2017 Houston Astros beat the Dodgers and the 2018 Boston Red Sox seemingly cheated. They also beat the Dodgers, right? I mean, that, that's a tough thing for a, a very proud franchise that has not won a title in over 30 years. A huge market would have been huge for Major League Baseball and you got to feel bad for them you also have to feel bad for the other teams that the Astros destroyed on the way to their, you know, kind of the last three years of success they've had in the playoffs. So they beat the Yankees twice. They beat the Red Sox, the Indians, Rays. You got to almost feel bad for the Nationals in a way. They, they just had an amazing World Series where the road team won every single game in the World Series. But, you know, you're, you're kind of glad now. I was rooting for the Astros in the World Series. So you got to be glad now that the Nationals won, but it does kind of sully and weird in the process a little bit. And one little side note, and then I'll hop right back on. For you Yankees fans that are crying about this, like, oh gosh, we got screwed and we would have got another championship and blah, blah, blah. Y'all are the same fans that don't want to talk about it all that y'all won championships in the last 15 years, you know, or 20 years or so with a bunch of guys that were on PEDs. Andy Pettit and Roger Clemens and Alex Rodriguez and all these guys. The the Yankees were one of the dirtiest teams and everybody knew about it. So save me your crocodile tears about, oh, we got screwed the playoffs, the Astros. Okay. I don't want to hear it from you Yankees fans. What about the rest of the AL West teams? You got the Mariners, you got the Athletics, you've got the Angels and you got the Rangers. They had to play the Astros a lot. And they every time they went to Houston, they got destroyed. The athletics were really close to winning the division in a few of those years and ended up having to be a wild card team. That affected them directly. How about this? I haven't re- really heard anybody talking about this. What about the cities of the defeated teams? The the teams that I've mentioned, right? I mean, because the thing is, is if you make the postseason, like an actual postseason series, right, if you get to the DS, you're you're guaranteed at least one home game if not multiple if you make it to the championship series you're guaranteed two home games that that's a lot for local businesses for hotels and restaurants and places that you know have have bought the licenses to sell gear and stuff like that just the local folks in general the excitement you get when your teams in the playoffs and you roll around with the you know team flag on your car and all those different things like you got to feel bad for those teams you got to feel bad for those cities I feel bad. Here's another victim. The 2020 Houston Astros. The Houston Astros that have not made it onto the field yet, because everyone is going to hate them. The Houston Astros, as they're currently constructed, have a lot of very, very likable players, but man, they're going to be incredibly hated. And the thing is, is guys, the AOS is still a mess. All four of those other teams are pretty much not great. So the Houston Astros are probably gonna make the postseason again. Can you imagine? Man, just the amount of attention that's gonna be on them. Some more victims, you got specific players that were directly affected by the Astros winning these games. This is one thing that I thought about because I can remember back to those 2017 games and you can remember hearing Joe Buck and uh, uh, John Smoltz talking on the broadcast about how seemingly these pitchers for the Dodgers are, must be tipping their pitches, right? And how you know they're, they're kind of getting destroyed. Think about these pitchers that have to carry these numbers after these postseasons into free agency or into arbitration. Like the, these pitchers that just got destroyed by the Astros, and it you know really made their ERAs cattywampus or whatever the situation might be. That that's tough. You gotta feel bad for Aaron Judge not being the MVP because without Jose Altuve having the year he did, Aaron Judge as a first or second year player, I think it was a second year player, would have won the MVP. Like that, that's insane, right? And, and he's he could carry that into his arbitration and into his future contract negotiations he can't do that now think about think about the legacies of certain players Clayton Kershaw comes to mind this is a guy who is probably the greatest regular season pitcher of all time but the only thing that people want to talk about with Kershaw is how he can never get it done in the postseason well he was in line to win I think it was game five of the 2017 World Series and he gave up some runs late. I mean, if, if the Dodgers win the 2017 world series and Clayton Kershaw pitched at all well during that postseason, that monkey's now off his back. And, you know, I think about, you know, transitioning over to the current great Astros hitters. Like I feel bad to a certain degree for Jose Altuve, Alex Bregman and George Springer and those guys because they're such great players. But at the same time, you got to know that all those guys knew that this was happening. I'm especially heartbreak, heartbroken over Jose Altuve because he is probably my favorite player that's not on the St. Louis Cardinals. I love that guy. Met him in New York, got to hang out with him a bit, a bit. You know, he's the little engine that could. He's like five foot five. The dude is just an amazing player. There's no reason he should even be in the majors, much less be one of the best players. But now, those guys, every time they have an accomplishment, Bregman, you know, finishing close to the MVP this last season, Springer going into arbitration this year for his salary, you got to question everything those guys have ever accomplished. I feel bad for the Houston Astros fans right now for the long suffering Astros fans that just didn't get it done. Never got that world series. And then they get one. And now this, you know, I I feel bad for baseball fans in general, people that just love watching the game. You don't like seeing this because here's the thing. I feel bad for the game of baseball because it seems like we were just getting away from some of the scandals from the steroid era, right? and now all the conspiracy theorists that have been taking a nap they've been in hibernation they're at full alert now right you know the baseballs are juiced this has got to be happening in every clubhouse you know who's going to be the next one to get punished and when's going to be the next foot to drop and you know what are the other shoe's going to drop whatever the situation may be and i just wish all that that wasn't here i wish there wasn't this drama i wish there wasn't this type of nonsense but but it is right But anytime you're talking about something like this, one of these conspiracies or anything like that, you have to ask the question, who should be blamed, right? Everyone's like wanting to play the blame game. And here's the thing is it's pretty simple. Everyone, everyone should be blamed. So just initially, let's go back to Mike Fires. This is the player again, that kind of blew the whistle uh, years later after having gotten his World Series ring. Does Mike Fires feel so bad that he's planning on giving up his World Series bonus? Some of you guys didn't know that but if your team wins the World Series, you split a gigantic pot of money amongst the players. Is he going to give that bonus away? Is he going to send it over to the Dodgers players from that year? Is he going to donate it to charity his blood money? Does he feel that bad? I assume he doesn't feel that bad. I'm assuming he still has his ring in a safety deposit box or a safe or somewhere special in his house. But yo, he's the hero for coming out, right? But guess what? There are so many players and coaches on the Houston Astros that are to blame for this, right? You got players that didn't want to say anything, didn't want to speak up. It's their fault. You had players or managers or, you know, executives that came up with the idea. It's their fault. It's everybody's fault. And the thing about it is, is the general consensus again, is that there was no justice served here for the other 29 teams. We don't feel happy about this. Like there's not happiness in major league baseball that, okay, MLB got it right it should have been much more severe, right? A death sentence, if you will, like go back to the SMU days within uh, the NCAA, right? But the thing that this all kind of creates, and so here's the payoff for you guys that just had to listen to me rant for 20 something minutes about baseball, even if you didn't care, is because all of this comes down to one thing, all that comes down to one singular thing, and that is justice. Justice had to be served in this situation. And guys, in the grand scheme of the world, this is nothing. This is baseball. This is a game where adults get to play a kid's game and get paid millions and millions of dollars for it. This isn't even that huge of a deal. It's going to go down as a huge deal in the history of baseball and the history of sports. But in the grand scheme of the world, it's not a big deal. But when we're talking about justice, is how can you look at this situation with the Astros and how could you be, you know, an atheist or an agnostic and be okay with this ruling? How could you get there cognitively? How about if you're a secular humanist, right? How can you get to a ruling? And follow me here, guys. How could you be an evolutionary biologist and be okay with this ruling? Because the thing is, is in those worlds, in those spheres of influence, whatever, atheism and agnosticism, secular humanism and, and biology and all these different things, like these types of people, the only justice you have In your world is tied to this world. There is no such thing as cosmic justice. That's why, and I'm not gonna get into a big diatribe here, but when you talk about social justice, most of those things aren't tied to any type of a gospel centered ideology or theology, right? Because we don't have to do all the justice we can down here because we believe in cosmic justice. But if you're one of those other people, why are you even butting your head into the conversation? about justice. Because it's as if the only justice you understand is here. Because one of the reasons why I can close my laptop after I record this and move on with my life and not be completely affected and and distraught at, at how this is all going down and how mad I am about how baseball didn't get the punishment right is because I know that God has the ultimate judgment seat. Again, this is not a huge topic, but remember God sees everything. He sees everything. I was reminded of Romans 12:19, beloved, never avenge yourselves, but leave it to the wrath of God for it is written vengeance is mine, I will repay, says the Lord. And then Proverbs 21:15, when justice is done, it is a joy to the righteous but terror to evil doers. I can find solace. I can absolutely find solace in the fact that I don't think justice was served here. And there's a larger application here. There's, there's kind of three application points I want to get to. So the first is when you sense that there's been injustice somewhere in the world, always remember that God's got it. We don't always have to write the score. We don't always have to overturn the tables ourselves. Sometimes God does call us into action, right? As a sheepdog, he's going to call us into action, but ultimately he's got the final say. He's got the final say on justice, Right? But there's a couple of other applications that I think are even more pragmatic for you guys that maybe think I took that last point a little too far. I think it's highly appropriate, but here we go for you more pragmatic types. For you, you will be tempted to cheat. And your reaction in those moments will say a lot about who you are. So some of you are going to be tempted to cheat in sports, right? Maybe it's pickup basketball. Maybe it's a collegiate athletic of some kind. Maybe it's a golf tournament. You're going to be tempted to cheat. You're going to be tempted to cheat in your taxes and business or something like that. You're going to be tempted to cheat on your spouse, right? Even though we already know that about 50% of the uh, men in the United States certainly uh, go ahead and do that anyway. But the thing about it is, is there's no temptation that is going to lead to sin. Sorry, let let me rephrase that. Let me back up a little bit. Some of y'all just had like a little explosion in your brains. Being tempted is not a sin. It's your reaction to the temptation, right? Jesus was tempted right? 40 days, 40 nights. He was tempted, right? In every way conceivable to us, right? That wasn't sin. It's how you respond to the sin. It's how you respond to the sin, right? But a lot of you guys, you're, you're not preparing yourselves for when you might be tempted to cheat in all areas of life. You haven't had that discussion with yourself yet. And some of you might think that you're too weak, that you couldn't possibly overcome the temptation to do that, and again, I got to throw this out to you. In First Corinthians ten, we see this: no temptation is overtaking you that is not common to man. God is faithful, and He will not let you be tempted beyond your ability. But with the temptation, He will also provide a way of escape that you may be able to endure it. So there is not some temptation that is so powerful that you can't get around it. And the last application point for you guys is this: is this is a great teaching moment for your kids and I'm using that term broadly. So if you're a grandpa listening to this, talking about your grandkids, if you're a a coach that, you know, volunteers your time and, and, you know, coaches, whatever sport in your local community, I'm talking to you as well. This is a great story, or this is a, not really a story. This really happened, but this is a great thing to talk about them. This is a case study for those kiddos, right? Especially if you're teaching baseball, because this is one of those moments where this is bigger than baseball. This is, this is bigger than whatever sport you're teaching or coaching. It's about integrity. It's about character, right? And this is a great opportunity to teach your, your kiddos that, Hey, look, these guys won these titles, but now look at where they're at. So I remember back and and I'll probably remember this till the day that I die. Uh, at my university that I went to, University of Central Oklahoma. uh, I remember when you would run around the track in the gym there in the wellness center, there were two pictures that were up. There were a lot of pictures that were up around the track, but there were two specific ones. One was of Lolo Jones, not Lolo Jones, uh, Marion Jones, Marion Jones. Okay. She won the hundred meter dash in the Olympics and she won by like 10 meters. She obliterated the competition. And then there was another one with Lance Armstrong, right? And then it came out that Lance Armstrong had been lying for years and years and years that he was a drug cheat and that Marion Jones, it came out later that she was a drug cheat as well. And I wondered, you know, gosh, they have these big, beautiful pictures. Like, what are you going to do? But you know, this could have been a budgetary reason that they did this. It doesn't really matter. They put a little plaque next to the pictures that basically explained, Hey, This person cheated in order to accomplish what you're seeing in this picture. The picture of Marion Jones was of her going across the finish line with this big smile on her face. And it was basically a a little plaque that makes you think about like, hey, was it worth it? And to some smart aleck students who might be like, well, yeah, sure, man, it was worth it. They're an Olympian and blah, blah. They they might say something like that. But to a thinking person, they'd be like, gosh, it clearly wasn't worth it. But that's the thing is if you start going down that rabbit hole as well, guys, you're going to get so frustrated at the amount of money that Marion Jones and Lance Armstrong made off of cheating. And that's why we can always lean on the fact that we're not the final judge and jury that God's got our back. God's going to take care of it. All right, guys, before we let you go, we are going to do a quick resilience boost. As you know by now, we are a men's ministry, and our mission is cultivating manly resilience. Specifically, we do that by providing content that forges spiritual, mental, and physical toughness. So today, I just have one little article for you. Jeff Passan is one of the best guys in all baseball, one of the best journalists in all of baseball. He had a thing that he wrote for ESPN.com. It's called, Why Anger's Boiling Behind the Scenes About Houston Astros Sign-Stealing Punishment. All right, guys, so check that out. Thank you guys, as always, for listening to the podcast. We really do appreciate it. If you would, please subscribe on iTunes, SoundCloud, Spotify, or Google Play, and refer your friends to listen and share this on social media. Guys, if we deserve a five-star review, please leave us one. That is how this podcast is going to continue to grow. I'm currently booking speaking engagements for the entirety of 2020, so just hit me up at info at undaunted.life if you want me to come speak to your team, at your men's event, on your podcast. Again, the email is info at undaunted.life. The website is life. You can follow us on Instagram and Twitter at Undaunted Life or Facebook.com backslash Undaunted Life. Check out our free devotionals on the Uversion Bible app. Just search Undaunted Life under plans. And as always, we want to thank the band August Ernst Red for allowing us to use their entire music library for our content. The intro outro track on this podcast is their song King of Sorrow, which is off their latest record entitled Phantom Anthem. The links to all of this are in the description. I'm your host, Kyle Thompson. Remember, keep cultivating manly resilience and Keep forging spiritual, mental, and physical toughness. Keep seeking the Lion of Judah.